Hi, and thanks for joining in on the Pastor's Class Podcast. Whether you missed a week of class or just want to re-listen to a message, this is the resource for you. Be sure to visit our website at pastorsclass.org for any other information you might need. We hope this message blesses you. And again, thank you for listening. Praise God. Man, when Spencer gets up here, I just get fired up. When Michael and Jennifer, man, I just love that worship element of the class. Always a pleasure to be here with you and break open the Word of God. Still recovering from Thanksgiving, so, you know, (laughs) overeating and traveling and, oh man, recovering. That's the good word, right? Then it's a countdown to Christmas. And then it happens all over again. I don't, it's crazy. Uh, but uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 tonight. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to that. Um, so when I was a kid, um, probably about seven years old, went on this um, vacation with my grandmother. We called her Granny. All right. She was from Mount Pleasant, Texas. All right, here we go. Mount Pleasant over here. And uh, we took this trip. It was me and my brother, who's here tonight, and my grandmother's sister. And we went to take this trip to see landmarks around America, really going towards the west. We, we, we headed west, and we were going to the Grand Canyon. And, uh, you know, it's something about putting two young kids and two older ladies in a station wagon traveling across the country that just, you're bound to have problems, right? <laughs> and so the main problem was is that my grandmother stopped at every single historical marker from here to Arizona and then back. Every single one of them. <laughs> I mean, my grandmother, she was earnestly searching for these things. She's like a Navy SEAL with night vision goggles, and she's on this black ops mission, right? And she's got to hunt these things down. Her sister's looking out the, the right. She's looking out the left as she's driving, and she's going slow. <laughs> and so some are easy to spot because they're on the highway, some kind of off the beaten path. But, you know, you've got your map, and she's got her glasses wiped off, and she's got her sister looking, and... And, and we're going slow, and of course, this one-week trip really evolved into a two-week trip. And it seemed like the longest trip of my life. And this trip, it just seemed like it would never end, and my brother and I, we were just miserable. Seven and five, give or take. And uh, we, were so just, we were so ready to come home. I don't think we ever were happier to see our rooms when we got there. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, thanks, Mom. Love having a mom here tonight. She'll tell you real quick. (laughs) But I remember on the way back and and all these stops and these historical markers, and by then we just called them hysterical markers because it was just hysterical uh, trying to hunt these things down. But uh, I I learned an important lesson on that trip. Never have your grandmother drive on a long road trip. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. (laughs) I learned that if you earnestly search for something, you will find it. Because just like my grandmother was earnestly searching for those historical markers, every person must earnestly and honestly search for God. But the good news is, is that he comes to us. 
title of this lesson is Ernest Gets Saved, based off like the Ernest Goes to Camp, just comedy. United States Senator Daniel Webster lived 1782 to 1852, once said, if we work on marble, it will perish. If we work on brass, time will efface it. If we rear temples, they will crumble to dust. But if we work on men's immortal minds, if we imbue them with the high principles, with just the fear of God and the love of their fellow man, we engrave on those tablets something which time cannot efface and which will brighten and brighten with all eternity. Little background on the text tonight before we read it. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8. You will receive power from God. And in this biblical account, uh, this is the big step forward in what's happening is, is the gospel is being spread. The believers are in Jerusalem, and they're, they're kind of knit up tight in this sardine can of, of just God's power and miracles, and maybe they just won't leave. Maybe they're apprehensive. And then persecution comes and the heat comes and the heat comes and persecution comes and God sends his people out. So there's this road from Jerusalem to Gaza. We're going to see that tonight. There's an Ethiopian eunuch traveled to Jerusalem to worship and on his way, uh, he's on his way back home to uh, Ethiopia. And in that time, Ethiopia was really considered the ends of the earth. So the Lord talks uh, through this angel to Philip to go down to Jerusalem, to Gaza on this road, and Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch meet on the road, and this is where the action takes place. Let's read. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. This is the ESV. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. They're headed toward the coast. This is a desert place. And when he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip found himself as Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns 
until he came to Caesarea. We, we don't want to skip past the setting here. They're on the road, right? They're on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's interesting. If you read in the Bible, a great Bible study is stuff that happens on the road throughout Scripture. There's the road to Jericho where an angel, a uh, commander of the Lord's army, comes and meets Joshua. And basically, Joshua's given the city, Jericho. And I've given Jericho into your hand with its kings and mighty men of valor. A spiritual victory was given. The walls fell down, not because of Joshua, because of the Lord. Then there's the road to Emmaus, right? The two disciples are walking along the road, and they're so discouraged. The resurrections happen, and they just don't understand what's going on. They're waiting for the, this big victory to happen, and they're just downhearted. They're walking back, and Jesus comes up alongside them, and he talks about all the scriptures in the Old Testament concerning himself, much like we're going to see or we, we're seeing tonight, another spiritual victory. Then there's the road to Damascus, another example Acts 9 that we'll see later in another class as Saul's life turns into Paul the Apostle, another spiritual victory. So let's look at two key people from this passage, the eunuch. Well, he's an Ethiopian, most likely from the kingdom of Nubia located on the Nile River. In the Old Testament, this is the land of Cush. And so the ends of the earth is really, you know, you get to Egypt and then you keep going and it's still, yeah, the ends of the earth. It's a long, long way, over 2,600 miles. It'll take you about a week in a car if you can get through borders and without any stops and everything goes well. In a chariot, forget it. <laughs> it's going to take a long time. And so this eunuch, is, he's went to Jerusalem to worship God and he's on his way back and that's where Philip meets him to shed light on the scriptures. So this eunuch, um, of course, a eunuch, very briefly, probably castrated, dismembered, and was reserved for serving royalty. In this case, Candace the queen. He, he's considered an outcast in Judaism. Since he's a eunuch, he's in a state of ritual impurity, Deuteronomy 23.1. A eunuch may have been a God-fearing Gentile like Cornelius in, in Acts 10, we haven't got there yet, but perhaps this man, he was among some of those that heard the gospel at Pentecost in his own language in Acts 2.8, 3.11. Obviously, he was a wealthy man. Um, he had purchased a scroll of Isaiah, which was not cheap, so he had money. He had a little authority, uh, and he was reading the prophet's words about Christ's suffering death in Isaiah 53.7-8. And so he asked Philip to interpret this prophecy for him, but... But most importantly, what's happened with this, um, with this eunuch is that, that he's seriously searching to know the truth about the Savior. I mean, he's made this long journey all the way from the ends of the earth to Jerusalem to worship God. And he's on his way back now and gets met with Philip. He's reading Isaiah. He gets met and he reads this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away. And this is what Philip hears as he approaches this chariot, this part of Isaiah, the suffering servant song of Isaiah. And, and in some case, I kind of see it as the Old Testament gospel in a way. I'm going to read that to you right now. But we need to put ourselves... In, these, in this eunuch's shoes. 
So if you want, you can turn to Isaiah. If you don't want to, you don't have to. I'm going to read it here for you. Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be highly lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, his form beyond that of children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which was not been told they see and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of the ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. He had no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned one, everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. And here's where the eunuch is, is reading, like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep before the shears of silence. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. As for his generation, who considers that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people? This is what Philip walks up on. But the rest of it is that they made his grave with the wicked, Jesus, the Christ, and with him a rich man in, in his death, and although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide a portion with the many, and he will divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes transgression uh, intercession for the transgressors. This is the suffering servant song. This is the context of what the scroll is that he's reading, this eunuch. And so now enter Philip. And Philip, of course, scholars debate if he's uh, one of the seven Hellenist Greek-speaking Jewish believers selected in Acts 6 or the 12 disciples. Most believe he's the Philip from Acts 6. It makes sense with the context. He goes to proclaim Jesus the Messiah to the Samaritans, and he, he casts out many demons. Stuart talked about this uh, on the last class. And he preaches the gospel to Simon the magician, who is rebuked by Peter for trying to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit which is evidence of his lack of conversion, right? And so now Philip finds himself being sent by God to this Ethiopian. He's traveling on the road to Gaza, this Cush, this Nubian kingdom where this guy's from. And he encounters this eunuch, and he's reading Isaiah aloud like this. The very scripture uh, is evident of the number of supporting references. Philip shares not just this Isaiah, but other scriptures concerning it. 
He talks about Christ's atoning work, and he shares the gospel. He shares Jesus. And as a result of this exposure to the word of God, the Ethiopian eunuch is truly saved by faith and then baptized. Because God always reaches out to those who are earnestly pursuing him. He always does. Jeremiah 29, 13, 14 says, You will seek me and you will find me when you will seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He comes to us. He wants to be found, and he's been found in Jesus. But the real hero in the story is not Philip. It's certainly not the eunuch. It's really, I want you to see the theological implications. This, this is really about Jesus. His spirit and his word are working in the heart of this Ethiopian eunuch to bring about salvation. Just like the father sent his son, Jesus Christ, on a rescue mission to earth years ago to die on the cross, to raise to life, to save people from their sins, he's still doing it today. He's still doing it today. And now he sends his spirit-filled people. Jesus went, now it's his people with the gospel to bring salvation. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel... Right? For it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. Romans 1.16. Not ashamed of the gospel. We see what it's doing. We know what it's done in our life. So what can we learn from this passage? Well, here's, here's one thing we can learn. To help people achieve saving faith in Jesus Christ, we should help them understand from Scripture what God has said. And this is why it's absolutely critical for us as Christians to be in God's word every day. It's critical for ourselves to understand the scriptures and to grow and to help others like Philip shed light on the scriptures. And so here's, I've wrote down seven points. If you're taking notes, you want to write these down. These things are seven things that will help you in, uh, in, sh in just sharing the scriptures with people. One is, be sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That is key. It's God's Spirit that does the work and massages the heart and breaks through the strongholds and, and breaks the heart down and says, whispers to him, come be saved, be saved. Be prepared to share your faith across cultures. We've got to cast away bias. We've got to be a friend, be bold. We can't let the color of someone's skin or their different language keep us from sharing Jesus. You'd be surprised that if you just engage, you would see that they probably speak English and they're so desperate to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That can't ever get in the way, not in God's people, not in God's diverse kingdom. Point three, witnessing is most effective to people whose hearts have already been prepared by God. Don't miss that. Let me say it again because this is important for you to understand in, in sharing your faith. Witnessing is most effective to people whose hearts have already been prepared by God. Because you can keep knocking on that door, you keep sharing your faith, keep sharing the scripture into a dead-end heart that just won't hear it and just quite frankly won't open up. God has to go in there and prepare that in advance and he's going to send you like he did Philip with the scriptures, with the gospel of Jesus and that's going to do the work, but it's got to be prepared. And let me give you some encouragement with that. Uh, Charles Swindoll, I got to talk with him, Chuck Swindoll. 
at Dallas Seminary one afternoon. He gave me some great advice. And one of these things, I love it in his book. He's one of my favorite preachers. He said, the skeptic may deny your doctrine or attack your church, but he cannot honestly ignore the fact that your life has been changed. He may stop his ears from the presentations of a preacher and the pleadings of an evangelist, but he is somehow attracted to the human interest story of how you found peace within. You. You can't deny your life. So take encouragement in that. Four, start with their questions. That's why we got to be in the Word. We got to start with their questions. Well, I don't understand what this Christianity thing is. It sounds like a bunch of rules. I don't need any more rules in my life, Anthony. Don't let the comments get blockade the question. They're honestly and openly searching for God. They have the questions. Don't let the commentary block the question. They're looking for God. What we've got to do is say, no, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. It's not that we have to perform rules. It's that God came to us when we couldn't save ourselves. Our sins separated us from God. And God came in and he reconciled us to God. And now we have a new life in him. The basis for witnessing point five should be the words of scripture. Share the scriptures. When you don't know what to pray, pray the scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He leads me to green pastures. You know, it's the scriptures. If you find that you'll pray the scriptures, you just don't know what to pray. It sounds redundant. I'm praying the same things all the time. Pray the living word of God. It'll change your prayer life. Also, one thing that I do is, is that um, every year I, I pray the Psalms. So I'm 41, so I've been praying and studying and meditating on Psalm 41. And so each year we go to 42 and 43. And so we'll keep going because I don't know if I can live to 150, but I'll take it. <laughs> There's enough songs to cover me, right? The focus, point six, of witnessing needs to be the person of Jesus Christ. He's the focus. It's all about Jesus. It always will be. And point seven, this is one that I struggle with all the time. Uh, God's working in my life on this is to invite a response. That may be the only time that they get to respond. They're not promised tomorrow. They may come out of that place where you're at and, uh, and not make it the next day. And so we've got to uh, invite a response. And if you're not there yet where you're getting to it, where you can share your faith and you can share your testimony and you can share some scriptures and you just are not there yet to invite a response, that's okay. Don't be discouraged. You'll get there. Just keep doing it. God is with you and he will bring you to that in your faith walk with him. Philip simply exposed the Ethiopian eunuch to the word of God, which the Holy Spirit used to lead him unto repentance and faith. And so now this eunuch is singing, here I am, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours, Jesus, all the way home back to Ethiopia. You're welcome, Mom. All the way back to Ethiopia. And did you know that? Today, Ethiopian Christians still hold claim to this count as the beginning of their faith. Did you know that? It's impactful, this Ethiopian life change. So let me wrap it up with some takeaways. One is that Christians should be constantly studying and growing in their knowledge and application of God's word. We must allow the word of God to penetrate our innermost being. It starts with us. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, 
sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is breaking down and building up with the spirit. Takeaway two, Christians should be looking for every opportunity to share the scriptures and the gospel of Jesus Christ with, every, with people in their path each day. There's people that are going to come in your path that need to hear the gospel. You won't know it maybe that they're being prepared by God, but you're faithful to share the scriptures and then God does the work and then there's transformation. We must listen to the Holy Spirit as he leads us to share the gospel. John 16, 13 says, the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. And take away three, Christians should invite people to personally receive the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. We must remember that every person must individually and personally answer the invitation that Jesus gives us. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? So here's to sum it all up. Joining God's mission requires a willingness to follow his voice and study his word. That's what God's mission's all about. Because you never know who God's going to send you to next. So the challenge is, is, are we sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Are we available to God? Are we pursuing a deeper understanding of God's word? Are we intentionally sharing the scriptures and the gospel with those around us? Listen, there's a lot of people out there we know, like this Ethiopian eunuch, and, you know, they're earnestly searching for God. They're broken. They're separate from God. They're, they're sinners. So who's going to be the next Philip? Who's going to be the person that helps them understand the scriptures and shares the gospel with them if it's not us? If it's not God's people, who's it going to be? God's given us that command, that task to spread the gospel. Not angels. Give it to man. Finally, there's, just, there's a lot of roads in life, and, and you may be on a road like Philip was. You may find yourself wondering, what's, where's this leading, God? And you're saying, I just don't understand what road you have me on. I don't get it. I have a lot of questions. But don't resent the road. Because God has you on the road exactly where you need to be. Exactly. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for so much to be thankful for. Thank you for your word, which reveals to us the reality of the Christian faith. That we're all sinners in need of a Savior. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You sent your Son, we're so thankful, God, to die on the cross for our sin and resurrect to life, giving us a new life in Him. Help us to desperately hunger after your Word. God, put a deep desire to spend time in your Word each day and hear from you. Help us to grow in our understanding of the Scriptures and apply them to our lives in hopes that reaching out to others of the good news of your son. And as Jude 1.23 says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. I pray, God, that you would help us to not resent the road that you have us on. Much like Philip, we just need to engage in your work and enjoy the ride. 
Give us a boldness with the same fire that ignited our faith, God. I pray that you'd get all the glory. Bless us from here, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.